We are going to be turning this morning to John chapter 10. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles or on your phone or look at it in your bulletin. We're going to be starting a new series this morning on the Good Shepherd from John chapter 10. I'm excited about that. Uh, Some of you know this story, but it was on a park bench in 1999 where some friends had given me a Bible with my name on it. I did not know how to read scripture or what to read, so I just randomly opened it to John chapter 10. And uh, this is the portion of scripture God used to breathe new life into me for the first time. So I'm excited to walk through uh, this passage with you in the coming weeks. Let me mention this to you as we begin. But wouldn't you love if there was someone that, if you ever got lost, I mean like really lost, they would come and find you, and when you didn't think anybody was around, you could hear their voice and know that someone who loves you had come to find you even though you were lost. Wouldn't that be precious to have a friend like that? Or if you know that you had strayed, something caused you, you were in this community, in this fellowship, you had friends, but you'd strayed away from it. Eventually you come to the realization it wasn't good for you, but you didn't know if you could come back or not, but you had a friend that one day you heard their voice saying, We'd love to have you back. Would you come back and be with us? Just to have a friend, a voice, who would gather you back if you ever strayed. Or maybe there was just a season of life where you were really feeling weakness. Not just physical weakness, but like weakness in your bones. You have so much going on. There's so many things going on in your life. It was hard. You were exhausted. And there was someone whose mere presence could give you strength. Uh, Someone whose voice could speak words of encouragement and strength into your heart. Wouldn't that be a wonderful gift? Or if you found yourself in some way hurt by living in a fallen world, whether that be a a relationship that had gone south, or something in your job that was really hard, or something in your life that it just simply hurt. And, And you had a friend who comes alongside, and they know what to say, and they know what to do so that you feel at least like you've been tended to and and bound up. See, that was the thing to seek the lost, to gather back the strayed, to bind up the injured, to strengthen the weak. That was the one job of Israel's leaders, the religious leaders. Uh, in Scripture, God calls them shepherds. The kings, the priests, the religious leaders were to shepherd God's people in such a way that they would get a sense of what God's heart for them was like, that if they ever were lost, that they would be sought, that if they were ever strayed, they would be gathered back. If they were ever weak, they'd be strengthened. If they were ever hurt, they would be bound up. In Ezekiel chapter 34, that's the background of John 10. In Ezekiel 34, God is pointing His fingers at the religious leaders saying, you failed. You failed deeply. You failed miserably. My sheep that I love with all of my heart, when they were lost, you didn't go seek them. And when they strayed, you didn't gather them back. When they were weak, you didn't do anything to strengthen them. When they were hurting, you didn't bind them up. And so here's the amazing promise that God gives. He says, I will become the shepherd of my sheep. When they are lost, I will seek them out. When they are straying, I will gather them back. When they're weak, I will strengthen them. When they're hurting, I will bind them up. I myself will be the shepherd And I'll send a king like David to be the shepherd over them. 
And so one day He's going to come and He'll do all of those things on my behalf. And so John chapter 10 is Jesus saying, I'm that King. He was promised back then, I'm here now. And this is what I have to say. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word to hear what this Good Shepherd has to say to us this morning. John chapter 10. This morning we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Amen. The reading of God's word, which he has given to you because he loves you and he wants you to know him. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask this morning that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear your voice. As you lead us and you would give us grace to follow you. Jesus is our good shepherd. If there are any here this morning that are lost, that you would seek them out any that are straying, that you would gather them back, any that are hurting, Jesus, that you would bind them up, and any that are weak, you would strengthen. We ask, Jesus, that you would do all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to look at this morning really a sentence that we'll explore together, and it's this, you are surrounded by many voices. You're surrounded by many voices, and the most important of which is the Good Shepherd who is calling you to follow Him. That's our broad theme for today. You are surrounded by many voices, the most important of which is the Good Shepherd who is calling you to follow Him. So let's look at this morning the first thing, that you are surrounded by many voices. Uh, Jesus starts by saying something emphatically. He's wanting to get our attention. He's wanting us to listen well and deeply. In verse 1, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you. So when he says something like that, we don't want to miss out on what he's saying. But he starts by saying that we are surrounded by many voices, some of which do not want to help us, but maybe even to harm us. He who does not enter, Jesus says in verse 1, this sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now just keep in mind the image that Jesus is portraying here are sheep that are kind of spending the night with other flocks in a sheepfold. And even during the nighttime, there are others that are trying to get into this sheepfold as thieves and robbers to take the sheep. And they might be saying, who knows what voice they're using? Come here, follow me. Whatever voice it could look like. But they were surrounded by voices, thieves and robbers, gatekeepers, shepherds, but they were surrounded by voices all the time trying to call them to themselves. Now it's important to know that this passage, the context, is John chapter 9. 
that the Pharisees have just seen Jesus heal a blind man, and the blind man hears Jesus' voice, is healed by Jesus, and he decides to follow Jesus. And the Pharisees decide to excommunicate, to cast out this blind man. And so Jesus begins to tell this story of the Good Shepherd by saying he's chosen to follow my voice, even though there were many voices around this blind man telling him what he should do. So some of the voices that are surrounding the sheep in this story are religious voices. Religious voices that are trying to tell the sheep this is what you should do, this is what you should say, this is when you should say it, and how you should say it. But we'll see as we move forward in the series, but the religious voices of the day that Jesus will critique were very selfish. They wanted positions, they wanted money, they were greedy, they were envious, but they were also known for being very harsh to the sheep. If the sheep didn't measure up to their rituals and rules and regulations. And so some of the voices that surround us are very religious voices. Also for the Pharisees, they were people who would commend Scripture reading and prayer, and yet Jesus is saying, their voice is not mine. They're trying to take you in a different direction. But there's also other voices that surround you every single day. Voices that obviously want to help you. Hopefully it's mom and dad. You hear their voices. You hear the voices of friends at school. You hear the voices of people on TV, news networks, TV shows that you watch, Netflix, Hulu, whatever it is. Everywhere you go, it's voices. I think about 10 times a week, people recommend to me podcasts. Some of them are really, really good. Others I don't get a chance to listen to, but I want to because my time's limited. I can't listen to all the voices and all that they have to say. But one of the things we often hear in our culture today now as well isn't just, hey, listen to the voices out there, but especially listen to the voice in here. Listen to your own voice and your own heart. But notice Jesus says here, but there are some who try to get into the sheepfold not by the door, but they climb in another way. And he says, that man is a thief and a robber. They want to take from the sheep. There's harm intended for the sheep. And Jesus is saying, listen, to all of those sheep who follow him, there are voices out there, some of which want to help you, others of which intend harm. Now real quick, just by way of application, by saying there's many voices that surround you every single day, it's important, whether as a follower of Jesus Christ or even someone here who's skeptical this morning about all these things, simply to take a repertoire and understand that you need to be discerning about all of the voices around you. Who are they? What are they saying? What's their background? Why are they saying what they're saying? You know, here's, here's what's interesting. There's someone I really enjoy reading. His name is Charles Taylor. Some of you probably heard that name before. He's a, a philosopher. He taught at Oxford for a while. He taught in Canada. As Christians, we often talk about worldview, about how we see the world and talk about the world, how God created it, how he's redeeming it. He talks about the language of social imaginary. That when we come to think the way we think and feel the way that we feel and understand the world the way that we do, again, as a believer or not as a believer, he says we tend not to critically come to those conclusions like I've thought very hard about this and for months read all these different philosophers from ancient Greece and all these present people and all this kind of stuff. 
He says it's not critical thinking and coming to a conclusion. He says we tend to simply absorb all the voices around us. From the movies we watch, the music we listen to, the podcasts you listen to, the YouTube videos you watch. They're voices. And whether we know it or not, sometimes we tend to absorb those voices and adopt their way of understanding God and ourselves and the world and people around us. So it's important to discern the voices around you and also to discern the direction they want to take you. Thieves and robbers, they want to distance you from the shepherd. And so as you listen to these voices, you have to think, is this a voice that wants to distance me from my good shepherd? Or maybe I think more is kind of the the issue that we deal with in our culture. Is this a voice that simply wants to distract me constantly from Jesus? I mean, how often... Is Jesus through his word calling to us to get time with us, to get to know his heart, to get to know his mind, to get to know his will, and just distracted by a thousand voices? So it could be that we discern that a voice is trying to distance us from Jesus or distract us from Jesus, or there's one voice here in this text that I think wants us to draw near to Jesus, and it's the gatekeeper. Verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Here comes Jesus. In verse 3, to him the gatekeeper opens. Now it doesn't say this here in this text, but it's almost as if you can imagine hearing the gatekeeper saying, Sheep, the good shepherd's coming for you. I'm going to open the door for him so that he can draw near to you and you can draw near to him. As you listen to the many voices around you, are they wanting you to distance yourself from Jesus, distract you from Jesus, or draw near to him? But just know this, each voice is clamoring for your attention. Many of those voices are clamoring for your affection. Some are even clamoring for your complete devotion to follow them and not to follow Jesus. But that's the many voices that surround you each day. They're clamoring after you. But here's the wonderful thing. In this text, there's one voice that starts to get clearer and clearer. And that's out of all the many voices that surround you every day, the most important voice is the shepherd who is calling you. So we move to our second point here this morning, the most important voice, which is your good shepherd who is calling you. Now, I think everyone here in this room who has some kind of job that you go to every day, or even if you're a parent who has the wonderful calling of staying home to take care of your kids, is this, that you have some kind of tools to accomplish the tasks that you're called to do in your work. So maybe for some of you, the tools that you need are a a good computer, a desk, office space, maybe a team around you who help accomplish what you need to get done. Those are some tools that you might need. Uh, Maybe if you're somehow working in a kitchen, my first job was as a dishwasher, and uh, at 14 years old, I washed dishes at a restaurant, And maybe you need pots and pans and knives and sinks, soap, all kinds of stuff. Maybe if you work construction or something like that, your tools are in a big toolbox in the back of your truck. But all of us, to accomplish the task that we've been given in our work, need tools to accomplish that. So what are the tools of a shepherd? The tools of a shepherd here in John chapter 10 are 
We can see all throughout other scripture, or just knowing by our own experience, a rod and a staff. But his most important tool that a shepherd uses is his voice. As he calls out to the sheep, his most important tool is his voice as he calls his sheep. The first thing that he does with his voice here in this text, and you'll see this all throughout this passage, is the language of voice, voice. They will follow the voice of the good shepherd. They won't follow the voice of strangers. But the shepherd with his voice calls you by name. The shepherd with his voice calls you by name. Now here's two things I want to say. This call is immensely powerful. Uh, listen, I'll, I'll share with you this. I shared this with my kids last night. Think about maybe what the loudest voice ever recorded in human history was that has the Guinness Book of World Records. Just to put it in context, your average lawnmower that you hear in your neighborhood or at your house or around your house that you hear is around 100 decibels. So pretty loud, but not crazy. If lightning strikes right by your house and you hear the thunder, that thunder is 120 decibels. Pretty loud if you've ever heard that. Now here's the irony. The loudest scream ever recorded. It was a woman in the UK. She was screaming the word quiet. If you get the irony of that, I chuckled as well. She yelled quiet. This was Jill Drake at the decibel of 129. Louder than a lawnmower, louder than thunder. She yelled quiet at 129 decibels. Now I say that this morning to contrast that with the shepherd's voice because we're not talking about decibels this morning. His voice is immensely powerful, not because it can be shouted louder than a lawnmower or louder than thunder or louder than the woman in the UK shouting quiet. His voice is so powerful that when he calls you, he has the power to bring you from spiritual death to life. He calls you from spiritual darkness to light. And you see the power of that voice in John chapter 11, the very next chapter in this book, when his friend Lazarus has died and everybody's mourning. And Jesus, to show others the glory of God, it says, Jesus with a loud voice shouted, Lazarus, come forth called him by name, and boy, it was powerful. Lazarus was dead, then he comes alive. He walks out in grave clothes, probably going like, well, how'd that happen, right? But Jesus, with his voice, it's so immensely powerful that when he calls you, he calls you to life from spiritual death. We'll talk about it more in the series, but that's what I experienced on a park bench in Brown County State Park in 1999. My friends had taken me to so many. They took me to a Billy Graham conference. They took me to um, all kinds of what I considered to be at that time silly things, just so Clay could hear the gospel. But finally, they just gave me a Bible. John 10. And I heard his voice. I didn't hear it audibly. But in my heart, I started feeling like somehow I feel alive for the first time. When he calls you, his call is immensely powerful. It's also deeply personal. 
You notice he doesn't just, he's not just a shepherd that's like, yeah, I got some sheep. I shear them every now and then. I make some money. It's, I call them by name. I know them. I care about them. They mean a lot to me. You can see this in verse 3. It says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. It's one of the wonderful things. Not only does Isaiah 40 says that he knows all the stars in the universe. He knows you this morning by name. And he's calling you. You know, it's one of the wonderful things. Theologians have made the distinction throughout church history of the external call of the gospel, the call that goes to absolutely everyone. But there's this internal call that's so powerful that when he calls your name, you go from being dead to alive. The shepherd calls you by name. It's immensely powerful and deeply personal. He calls you by name. He also uses his voice to bring you out. If the most important voice is the shepherd's voice, among all of the voices, he uses his voice to call you by name and to call you out, to bring you out. Notice this again in verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now in context, remember the blind man. He had been going to a synagogue with the Pharisees and other religious leaders. Again, who often, whether some knew it or not, Jesus would charge them as being remarkably selfish and ex extremely harsh. And Jesus is saying, listen, that, that religion has been so corrupted. They hardly even know or grasp what grace is all about that now it's just mere rules and regulations and rituals. And to the blind man, Jesus uses his voice to call him out that. Jesus uses his voice not only to call you by name, but also to bring you out. I've seen Jesus call people out of mere religion. That somehow they thought, hey, if I'm a nice person, a good person, and I keep the rules, and I'm maximally religious and minimally rebellious, then he'll accept me. And that's what religion is, right? If I do this, God accepts me for that. And Jesus says, let me call you out of that. You're actually lost if that's what you think. If you don't understand grace, and Jesus says, let me under help you understand grace. When you are lost, Jesus comes and gets you. When you've strayed, Jesus comes and gets you. When you're feeling weak, Jesus comes and strengthens you. When you are injured, He comes and binds you up. And He doesn't do it because you're doing all the right things. He's doing it because He is a God of grace. He calls you by name and He calls you out. Maybe He calls you not out of a religious background, but a rebellious background. It's fascinating that in Isaiah chapter 3, it says, all we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to His own way to say, God, I don't care what Your way is. I don't want to follow You. I'm going My way. And Jesus says, let me call you out of that too. Because the Proverbs say, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its, its end is destruction. And Jesus says, I want to call you away from that. Or maybe it's just a heart of indifference. It's not religious or rebellious. It's just meh. And Jesus says, I want to call you out of that too. Or maybe if he's called you out of those things already, from darkness to light and death to life, this morning if you know him, he's calling you saying, hey, I want to call you out of that anger 
and bitterness. That lack of forgiveness. I want to call you out of that shame that you're experiencing. That lust that seems so powerful in your life. That laziness or workaholism, whatever it is that you know is not the Lord's will for you. And Him saying, let me call you away from that to something far better. So He uses His voice not only to call you by name, He also uses His voice to call you out and to lead you somewhere. Notice in verse 4, when He has brought out all of His own, He goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So there he's, he's leading them somewhere. He's not just calling you out of something. He's calling you to something, which we're going to see next week. What he's calling you to is not just life, but abundant life. That's what he's calling you to. He says, follow me and I will give you and lead you to the abundant life that your heart is searching in all the wrong places to find. And so the question this morning is, if, it, if with his voice he calls you by name, he calls you out of something and leads you somewhere, where do we hear his voice? Where do you hear his voice? Let me just mention the primary and ultimate place you can hear the voice of God. Scripture the Bible, God's Word. Scripture is where you hear the voice of your Good Shepherd. I remember on that park bench, I was reading Scripture. I just felt alive for the first time, and I thought, I, I hear you, Jesus. I hear your voice. It's, it's right here. And for weeks, all of my friends were like, Clay, you're so odd. Like, you used to be fun, and now you just hold this all the time. And I'm like, but he speaks. he's speaking here right now. You should read it too. And of course, you're like, you're weird. Stay away from me for a season. But I couldn't stop reading it. And I later found out through the book of Hebrews. I love how the book of Hebrews will say this. It'll quote a portion of Scripture and it won't say God said past tense. It will say God saying present tense. And then it quotes Scripture. In other words, when you hold the Bible in your hand and you take time to read Scripture, it's not just God spoke that long ago. God is speaking that right now in that moment in which you are reading God's Word. As a believer, one of the things that God is calling you to is to increasingly love the Word of God because that is where you hear the voice of your shepherd. So it's not just, you should read your Bibles more. Check that box off. Not saying that. It's, man, I love hearing my shepherd's voice. And I want you to grow in loving your shepherd's voice. And you, you can hear it anytime by picking up God's word for you this morning. You're surrounded by many voices. You have to be discerning of what they're saying and what direction they want to lead you in. Are they distracting you from Jesus? Are they drawing you away from Him or, or drawing you near to Him? You have to understand that the most important voice that surrounds you is the voice of the shepherd who's calling you by name, who's leading you out, and he's leading you towards abundant life, especially as you hear his voice in Scripture. But last, you'll notice that he's calling you to follow him. 
Again, you can see this in verse 4. It says, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Listen, it doesn't take but a moment of reflection to realize that everywhere you go, especially on social media, the language of following is everywhere. You follow your favorite bands. You follow celebrities that you enjoy, brands that you buy, friends from school. If you're like me, you follow weird accounts with like pets singing and they make their voice sing your favorite old rock grunge songs and you think it's hilarious. I'm weird like that. But here's the thing. Here's, here's kind of what those avenues, which are relatively shallow, can be fun, but shallow. Here's their purpose. We just want to get your attention periodically. So follow me. And every now and then you can see something I post. And the cost is, all I have to do is press a button. Follow. Now what Jesus isn't saying is, hey everybody, okay, as I go along in my ministry, I'm going to heal somebody and be like, hey everybody, look at this picture. I just healed a blind guy. Click like and follow me. Right? That's not the kind of following he is talking like. Or, hey everybody, here's Mary. I just delivered her from seven demons. That's awesome. Click like. Follow me. He's not saying that. I can see some of your faces are like, is he really saying this right now? Yes, I am. Following Jesus is way more substantial than our current understanding of following. It is so easy and costless. It says that the sheep follow him. We first have to understand the problem of we don't have hearts that want to follow him. We have hearts that want to follow our own way, according to Isaiah chapter 53. But when God's powerful, sovereign, merciful grace calls us from death to life, you from darkness to life, you want to follow him because he's given you a new heart. The sheep follow him. And it takes a gracious dose of humility to follow this shepherd. Why do I say that? Because to follow someone like Jesus means I don't know the right way to go. But he does. Every time I think I know the right way to go, it tends to get me hurt. Or it tends to disappoint me. But he has promised me that he's the way and the truth and the life. And so I will follow him. Sheep are powerless to protect themselves and they are prone to wander. And a heart that's been touched by grace says, he knows where to take me and he is powerful to protect me. And I will follow him wherever he leads. You know, see, following here in John chapter 10 is a complete orientation of heart and a holistic devotion of our lives that says He alone is the one that my heart is oriented towards and devoted to. And it means at least these three things. Following. Direction. Wherever Jesus calls me to go, I go where He leads. It means conviction. It means I'm convinced in my mind that my way is not the best way. That this Savior knows what is best for me. And I'm convinced that He knows what's best and I will follow Him. But not just direction and conviction, but also affection. If this shepherd loves me like this, I love him back. You see, this is the kind of shepherd that when I was lost, he sought me. 
because he loved me. This is the kind of shepherd that when I go astray countless times, countless, he never gives up and he always comes and gathers me back home. This is the kind of shepherd that when I'm exhausted and feel weak, he loves me so much he'll strengthen me. And that for whatever reason I feel injured, He'll come and he promises to bind me up because he is a good shepherd. And so if he says, go in this direction, I will go. It's my conviction that he knows what's best and it's my affection that I love him because he has first loved me. You'll notice that we follow him because we know his voice. You can see this at the end of verse 4. We follow him. You know his voice. It's like I know Liz's voice. She calls on the phone. I know it's her. I know my mom's voice, my dad's voice, because it's so familiar. And Scripture says sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and they follow him. You are surrounded by many voices. You've got to discern who they are and what they're saying. Do they want to distract you from Jesus, distance you from Jesus, or draw you closer to Jesus? The most important voice that you'll hear is the voice of the Good Shepherd who's calling you. He calls you by name. He calls you out in order to lead you to abundant life. And He calls you to follow Him, to go in His direction, to have the conviction that He knows what's best and the affection that He loves you more than you could ever fully comprehend. So let me conclude with this. This story is true. I think somewhere I saved the bill just to be able to prove it. But when I first started dating Liz, um, she was in Saint. Or yes, she was in uh, Colorado Springs. Got to remember that. I was in San Diego, so we called each other long term. This was back in the day where if you had a cell phone carrier, you paid a certain amount every month, and if you went over, you paid for those extra minutes. Let's just say I loved Liz's voice when I talked to her. It's just she sounds like an angel. It's so beautiful. I can't stop talking to her. So we would call and call. I'd go to class. I'd call her. I'd come home from class. I would call her. How are you doing? How's your day going? I don't know if she was ever like, I wish you'd stop calling me. But I think it was May or April or May. So about this time, I get a bill in the mail. $1,200. $1,200. So just think as a poor grad student going, how am I going to pay this? And if I don't pay this, I'll never hear her voice again. But I really want to hear her voice, but it's going to cost me a ton of money. And so I call, I call the carrier up that I had. I won't do any advertising here this morning, but they're a great company. <laughs> and I, I get this, this uh, young woman on the other end of the line, and I said, so I got my bill. And they're like, yes, we can see uh, it's $1,200. Would you like to pay that today? No, I would not like to pay that today. But I, and I said, said you've got to understand this. I really love her. We're probably going to end up getting married. And I had fun talking to her. They said, sir, what's, you still got to pay $1,200. That's great, you're going to get married, but you've got to pay $1,200. And I said, but I've been a customer for like seven years. Have I mentioned I really love her and I think I'm going to get married to her? And all of a sudden, the gal just goes, okay, just don't do that again. Just do your normal bill. 
Okay, so I just paid, so they forgave all of that debt, which was why I just went, wow, I get to hear her voice again. Hey, Liz. One of the things that Jesus says when he's heading towards Calvary is, he warns his disciples, the sheep will scatter and the shepherd will be struck. And it's amazing that when Jesus is dying on the cross, it says that he that he yelled with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. For us to hear the voice of Christ, it doesn't cost you a thing. But it does cost. And it cost Jesus not $1,200 from a cell phone company. It cost him giving every single ounce of his life. And you know why he did that? Because he's a good shepherd. And man, he loves his sheep. And that's why his voice is the most important. And that is why if you hear his voice, you follow him. Let me pray. Oh, Father, you promised to give us a shepherd in Ezekiel 34. And in John 10, we see that you did give us that shepherd. And Jesus, that we would hear your voice and you would raise us from death to life, from darkness to light. And the cost of us being able to hear your voice clearly and respond by faith would be your death at Calvary. Jesus, would you use your word this morning as a good shepherd to call some by name here this morning, maybe for the first time. And Lord, for all of us here who do trust you, that you would call us once again and lead us to abundant life, knowing and convinced that you know what's best for us. Thank you that you are our good shepherd, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.